have been looking at the life of Abraham, following the life of Abraham uh, for several chapters here in the book of Genesis. And uh, we've kind of traveled with him since he left Ur of the Chaldees. And we've followed his, his path. We've seen his triumphs. We've seen his failures. We've seen his, you know, the areas that he's grown. We've seen the mistakes that he's made. But we've kind of walked with him uh, all the way. And now we come to Genesis 21. And here in Genesis chapter number 21, we come to the birth of Isaac. And boy, I'm telling you what, this is the day that we've been waiting for. This is the event uh, that we've been working towards. Uh, this is the day that Abraham and Sarah have been longing for. It's the day they've been waiting on, and it has finally arrived. The promised seed has been born. It's It's been an eventful journey for Abraham and Sarah. If you remember, Abraham and Sarah were not... Uh, Christians, or they didn't know God prior to God calling them. And so when they left her to the Chaldees, uh, they were learning of God. They were growing in the things of God. They were, uh, you know, beginning to understand God. And as, as they went on this journey, much learning has taken place. And at this point in their life, here in chapter number 21, they understand far more about following God than they did when they stepped out by faith uh, in Ur of the Chaldees. Uh, and now we see that they have received the promised child. God told Abraham, he said, your seed will be as the stars of the sky, it'll be as the sand by the seashore. Millions of people will be born as a result of you, Abraham. And we see the first of millions has been born. God has came through and delivered in a mighty, miraculous way. Now, as we've journeyed with Abraham and Sarah through these pages, and we've been looking at this for a few weeks, and as, we, as we've journeyed through this over the past several weeks, we have begun to feel a little bit, possibly, uh, the longing that Abraham and Sarah felt uh, waiting for this child. We saw the mistakes that they made in misunderstanding what God wanted. And although we knew the whole story, we could kind of enter in with them and we could see how that they reasoned this and how they were like, well, perhaps uh, God wants to give me a seed through Hagar. Perhaps uh, this promised seed is my servant. And we've thought through these things and seen their thought. And, and then we've seen how that God confirmed, no, Abraham, your seed will be through Sarah. The promised seed is coming through your wife. And as we've journeyed along with them, we can understand a little bit of the longing. And now that we come to chapter number 21 and we see that Isaac is born, we can feel a little twinge of the excitement that Abraham and Sarah must have felt. But I must say I don't believe that we have even touched the surface of what they truly felt. I believe the little bit of excitement we feel, the little bit of longing that we have experienced uh, pales in comparison to the emotions that must have been experienced uh, by Abraham and Sarah that day that Isaac was born. And perhaps you can think back uh, to when your child was born or when someone close to you had a child uh, and you can think about that excitement that you experienced. Uh, I remember when Aiden was born. He was born uh, December the 7th. 
And uh, this was back before these cell phones, you know. This was when we were still cavemen. And uh, we had a phone with a cord, and Melissa had really wanted a cordless phone. And so I had purchased her a cordless phone for Christmas, and it was wrapped up and underneath the tree. Well, Aiden was born on December 7th, and he was born at home. And uh, M Melissa was there in the bed, and she said, I wish I could call my mom, but I can't get to the phone. And I went right into the Christmas tree and tore the present open and ripped it open and got the phone out and said, I have a cordless phone. You can call your mom. And boy, I mean, just excitement, you know. A child is born. And boy, I'm telling you the excitement you feel. But even that excitement probably pales in comparison to what Abraham and Sarah felt this day when this child was born. Not only was a child born, but this child was the promised seed. Not only was he the promised seed, but this child was a miracle. He had went against everything humanly possible and God had delivered. So we're going to read here in Genesis chapter number 21. We're going to read verse 1 down through verse number 7. And then we'll pray and get into the lesson. The Bible says, And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son that was born unto him, who Sarah bare unto him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac, being eight days old, as God had commanded him. And Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born unto him. And Sarah said, God hath made me to laugh, so that all that hear will laugh with me. And she said, Who would have said unto Abraham that Sarah should have given children suck? For I have borne him a son in his old age. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for this privilege and this opportunity we have to gather together in your house, Lord, to, to learn of you, to worship you, to fellowship together one with another. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the convenience that we have in gathering together. We thank you for the comforts that you've afforded us in a place to gather together. Uh, Father, we thank you that we have the freedom still in this country that we can come together and we can worship you. Father, tonight I think of, of, the, of the thousands of Christians around the world Father, who do not have this freedom. They do not have this liberty. And Lord, they must meet in secret and hide and are persecuted, Lord, for seeking to meet together with one another and worship you. Father, I thank you for this freedom, this liberty. I pray, dear Lord, we not take it for granted. But Father, Lord, we use it uh, because you have given it to us, Father, I pray. Lord, I think of Brother Bobby Berkstresser, and Lord, I know in a little bit we'll be praying up more for the needs that were mentioned, but Father, I think especially of Brother Bobby, and Lord, I think of those who uh, may be gathered even now at the hospital, Lord, lifting his name up in prayer. Lord, I pray, uh, Father, that you will touch our brother, Brother Bobby. Lord, I pray that you'll uh, do a work of healing in his life, and uh, Father, Lord, as it seems that uh, the problems are compounding. Father, we know that you are the great physician, and Lord, you're able to touch his body. And Father, I pray, that Lord, that you will just reach down and touch him and heal him. Father, I pray, and Lord, we'll thank you for it. Bless us, dear Lord, tonight as we look at your word. I pray, dear Father, that you will help us to, to learn, to be instructed, to be challenged. And Father, Lord, that your word will be a blessing to us tonight. Father, I pray. Be with the children's meetings downstairs. Uh, Lord, those that are working with them, uh, Father, we'll thank you for Bless us now in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Here in this passage, 
we read of the mighty, miraculous power of God in delivering His promise to Abraham and Sarah. In this account that we just read, we see an example, of an illustration of the reliability and the accountability of God. He is reliable in that He will do what He said and He can be held accountable. If He said He will do it, you can hold Him accountable because He will deliver. But in addition to seeing the reliability and accountability of God, we can also see an illustration of how we ought to respond to God whenever God delivers for us. And so several things that we want to look at this evening. The first thing that we see in this passage in verse 1 and 2 is we see a tremendous miracle. We see a tremendous miracle. There in verse 1 and 2, And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age, at the set time of which God had spoken to him. Now we look at this, and this is a, a two verses, or just a few sentences, uh, but this encompasses a period of about nine months uh, that was going on. So we see that Sarah would have realized uh, that she had conceived, uh, and she would have known that she was with child. And boy, what a day of rejoicing that would have been. But I believe at the same time, while it would have been a day of rejoicing, it would have been a day of apprehension. Abraham, I, I've, I'm pretty sure I'm with child. A few weeks later, Abraham, I'm, I'm starting to show. Abraham, I'm, I'm definitely with child. God has given me a child. But Abraham, I'm 90 years old. Abraham, I'm past the age of bearing. Abraham, think of the complications. Boy, although I'm with child, there were still a lot of concerns. What if it doesn't go right? What if, what if my body's unable to do this? And boy, I can just imagine the thoughts that they would have had. We see here in these verses that Abraham was old, Sarah was past the age of bearing. Years of married life had revealed that Sarah was barren. Sarah was not able to have children. And yet God has given them a son. We don't have to go very far into this passage to find a very powerful truth, one that we know mentally but we fail to act upon oftentimes, and that is this, that there is nothing, absolutely nothing, too hard for God. Now we know that mentally. In my mind I know that is true. I can quote Bible verses about nothing being too hard for the Lord. And mentally I understand that He can accomplish anything. But if we're honest, we'll admit that there are certain needs, certain requests that we feel like they're too hard for God. We come up with a way or a reason. We excuse it away. God's probably not going to take care of that. God probably isn't going to heal that person. God probably isn't going to meet that need. This thing that I'm praying for is too big for God. Mentally, we know that nothing's too hard for Him. But nothing, absolutely nothing is too hard for God. And if God wants to do it, 
He is 100% completely capable of doing whatever he deems necessary to do. He, nothing is too hard for God. When we look at the announcement of this miraculous conception and birth, I notice several things. First, considering this tremendous miracle, I see the promise of God. The promise of God. Three times in these two verses, we see reference to the promises that God had made. If you would, look at verse number 1. We see the phrase, as he had said. We go a little farther and we see the phrase, as he had spoken. In verse number 2, at the end of the verse, we see the phrase, at the set time of which God had spoken to him. Three times in two verses, we see that God had made a promise. As he had said, as he had spoken, this was what God had said. God had promised he would return. God had promised Sarah would conceive. God had promised that Abraham would have a son by Sarah. And here in these verses we see that God reminded them of his promises. You know what, has there ever been a time when you're beginning to doubt God? And God doesn't answer the prayer at that moment, but he reminds you of his promise. Have you ever experienced that? Boy, you're beginning to get concerned, you're beginning to get worried, uh, and you, you don't understand what's going on, and you're asking the Lord about it, and he sends a verse. The Holy Spirit speaks to your mind, Lo, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Now the problem's still there, but he has reminded you of his promise. I am here for you. We see here in this verse 1 and 2 that God reminded them of his promises. And in these verses we see that God doesn't make empty promises. He doesn't offer us a pie in the sky. When he makes a promise, uh, he means what he says. Boy, I'm telling you what, in these days many times uh, in uh, official leaders, uh, it seems that promises that have no backing are common, but not with Jesus, not with God. When he makes a promise, he means what he says. He doesn't make empty promises. If he says he will do it, we can count on the fact that he will do it. And in these verses, not only do we see the promises of God, but we see the faithfulness of God. The faithfulness of God. Now, in the last point, we highlighted as he had said. In this point, we're going to go back to those verses and we're going to see what he did. In verse 1 it says, and the Lord visited. We go a little farther, and the Lord did. In verse number 2, for Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son. Remember I said that there was the conception and maybe there were some concerns about were we going to make this to full term. God said Sarah conceived and she bare a son. And catch this, at the set time of which God had spoken to him. We see the promise of God, but we also see the faithfulness of God. Everything God said he would do, he did. Everything he had promised came to pass in the same way and at the same time he had said he would do it. Now if we'd have been Abraham's shoes, we may would have doubted, is God ever going to come through? The circumstances that surrounded the situation would cause us to question, is God going to be able to deliver on his promise? But God never wavered. While man doubted, while circumstances questioned, 
God the whole time was in complete control knowing exactly what he was doing and planning to deliver. He fulfilled his word just as he had promised he would do. God came through. We see the the promises of God in this miracle. We see the faithfulness of God in this miracle. But then we also see in verse number 2 the power of God in this miracle. You know what? Some folks make promises and they, they... definitely mean what they say. And they're faithful. They show up to do what they said they would do. But then they find out that they don't have what they need to be able to accomplish what they said they were going to do. They, 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 they meant well, and they showed up to do it, but they didn't have the ability. We see that God made a promise. He was faithful to show up, but he also had the power to do what he said he would do. Look again at verse number 2. For Sarah conceived. Now we've already seen in following Abraham and Sarah's life that this was physically impossible. This was something that couldn't be accomplished, but God accomplished it. And bear Abraham a son in his old age. Not only was Sarah's conception physically impossible, but because of their age, this was chronologically impossible. Not only were they physically unable to have children when they were the right age, now even if they had have been able, they're too old. This is chronologically impossible. But then we see that it says at the set time. This is predictably impossible. There is no way that anyone could have predicted that Sarah would have a son at this particular time. Yet God had the power to make a barren woman conceive when she was past age at exactly when she was supposed to conceive. This demonstrates the power of God. God promised he was faithful to return and he had the power to do everything he had promised to do. Once again, we would do well to never underestimate the power of the God we serve. I believe there are many things that are left undone or go undealt with because we don't tap into the power of the one that is able to do it. The fourth thing we see when we consider this tremendous miracle is the place of faith. We see the promise of God, the faithfulness of God. We see the power of God. But then we see the place of faith. Understand this. All of this took place because of the faith of Abraham and Sarah. Galatians 3.6 says this, Even as Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Hebrews 11 verse number 11 says this through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. You know what? We have a God who makes promises. We have a God who is faithful to show up on time. We have a God who has the power to do whatever is necessary to be done. But without faith, it's never going to happen. This took place because Abraham and Sarah believed that God was able to do what he said he could do. They believed God. We see the place of faith. In addition to the tremendous miracle in verses 1 and 2, in verse 3 and 4 we see Abraham's total commitment. God performed a tremendous miracle and Abraham responds with total commitment. 
In verse 3 it says, And Abraham called the name of his son that was born unto him, whom Sarah bare to him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac, being eight days old, as God had commanded him. You know, there have been instances of people, I'm sure, that you have probably known of or possibly even known personally, someone who asked God for his intervention. And in asking God for his intervention, they've made all kind of promises. Lord, if you'll get me off this hospital bed, I promise I'll serve you the rest of my life. God, if you'll heal me of this disease, uh, I promise that I'll, I'll go to church and on and on and on. Lord, if you'll, if you'll get, take care of this need, I'll never smoke another cigarette for the rest of my life. All kind of promises that people make God. The begging for God's intervention. If you'll do this, I'll do this. And God intercedes. God intervenes. God meets the need. And they don't follow through with their promises. We've all met these type of people or at least heard of people who have done exactly that. Boy, they make all these promises and God comes through and then they fail to honor God with their part of the bargain. But not so with Abraham. <laughs> not so with Abraham. Abraham was totally committed to God. God delivered on his promise and Abraham responded to God with obedience and service. We see this in two ways. First, Abraham gave the name that God had chosen. Abraham gave the name that God had chosen. Back in chapter 17, God had instructed Abraham what to name his son. In Genesis 17, verse number 19, you remember God had told Abraham that Sarah would bear the child and God said in verse number 19, and God said, Sarah thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed and thou shalt call his name Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. God said, you're going to have a child and here's what I want you to name him. I want you to name him Isaac. Now the name Isaac means laughter. Now we know prior to Isaac's birth, Abraham laughed in a spirit of rejoicing and Sarah laughed in a spirit of doubt. God said, I want you to name this boy Isaac. And Isaac means laughter. They laughed before his birth, but as we'll see in a little bit, they laughed again after his birth. God gave the name and Abraham obeyed in giving the child the name that God had asked. But second, we see not only did he get, was he totally committed in giving the name that God commanded, but we see that he guided Isaac in the way that God commanded God had instituted circumcision prior to Isaac's birth. In Genesis 21, verse number 4, And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac, being eight days old, as God had commanded him. Abraham wasted no time guiding Isaac in the way of the Lord. Wasted no time guiding Isaac in the way of the Lord. You know what? It is never too early to begin guiding your children in the ways of the Lord. It's never too early to begin training your children to love the Lord. It is what we ought to do. When they're still in the womb, we ought to be singing gospel songs, quoting scripture, teaching them to pray. It's never too early to introduce a child to the things of God. And Abraham started off immediately guiding Isaac in the way that God had commanded God knew this is how Abraham would, the type of father Abraham would be because in Genesis 18, verse number 19, God said this about Abraham, For I know him, 
that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment. And here we see Abraham doing exactly that. He is guiding Isaac, following God in every area he had been instructed, doing what God desired, living a life that was well-pleasing to God. God performed a tremendous miracle, and Abraham responded with total commitment. Do you know that the salvation that we have is a tremendous miracle? The new birth is a miracle that goes beyond our human comprehension. And whenever God created, made a new creature out of me, he performed a tremendous miracle. And you know what my response to that miracle ought to be? Total commitment to the Lord. Living a life for him. He, for me, he died for him. I will live. In verse number 5, though, we see that this miracle was preceded by a test of time. It was preceded by a test of time. In verse number 5 of Genesis 21, it says, And Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born unto him. Thirty years have passed since Abraham left Ur of the Chaldees. Thirty years. Thirty years of sojourning. Thirty years of an unknown future where he looked for a city that hath foundations whose builder and maker is God. Thirty years of being guided by nothing but his faith in God. No proof to show other people, no reason to give other people except I believe God. That was the only excuse he had for his behavior, only excuse he had for where he lived, only excuse he had for what he did was I believe God. Boy, wouldn't that be a testimony if Christians lived a life that was so peculiar the only way we could explain it is I believe God. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing. 30 years Abraham lived this way, guided by nothing but his belief in God. And now 30 years have passed since he's been called out. And God rewards his faithfulness. When I look at the time that elapsed between Abraham's call and the birth of Isaac, I see two areas of Abraham's life that was tested. First, I see that his patience was tested. His patience was tested. Now, I don't know if you've noticed this about humans, especially our generation, but I imagine it's always been true of all mankind that waiting is not our strong point. Waiting is not something we're very good at. We like to have what we want and we like to have it now. We, we want it, we want it now. Patience is not our, our strong point. Many good opportunities have been missed because we were unwilling to wait. I'll give a personal example. When I was 19, I think I was 19, maybe I was 20, anyway, I took a job in uh, Maryland working for a guy building uh, metal buildings. We was building airplane hangers and uh, great big uh, metal buildings. I took a job with this guy in Maryland, uh, Oakland, Maryland. I moved up there, and uh, I was looking for a place to live, and there was an Amish guy, uh, had a dairy farm, and there on the dairy farm he had a little one-bedroom. Uh, it was actually a chicken house that he had converted into a rental, just a little tiny little house there, one bedroom and a bath. And uh, he, uh, I asked him about it, and he said he would rent it to me, and so... Uh, we worked out an agreement, and so uh, his name was Reuben Peachy, and uh, he and I, we, we got along really well right off the start. He was 
I don't know, about 20 years older than me. He had uh, several children, all, all kinds of children, and a whole bunch of dairy cows. And uh, I said to him, I said, Reuben, you need any help on the farm? He said, I always need help on the farm. I said, well, how about when I'm not building steel buildings, I work for you, and uh, we'll agree on a rate, and we'll knock it off my rent. You won't have to actually pay anything, but we'll just knock it off my rent and save me rent money. Well, he thought that was a good idea. So four, four in the morning, every morning, I was milking cows, and then we'd get done with the milking, and I'd go off to work, build steel buildings, come back home, milk cows in the evening, and uh, I just worked all the time for Reuben. We built fence. I mean, we, we became very good friends, Reuben and I did. Came good friends from working there on the farm, and uh, I never paid him a penny rent. And... Uh, Whenever I left Maryland, he actually wrote me a check for several hundred dollars because uh, I was leaving and my rent was paid several months out. And so he wrote me a check to, uh, to take with me. But uh, while I was working for Reuben, been there, I don't know, I'd been there a couple of months working for Reuben and building the steel buildings. And Reuben said, I want to talk to you about something. So we sat down at dinner and he said, uh, I'd like to have a, a partner, somebody partner with me. He said, I want somebody that'll sign a contract that they'll stay with me for 10 years. He said, and at the end of the 10 years, I'll buy them a farm and stock it with cattle and help them get started on their own. He said, while you're working for me, I'll provide you a house to live, I'll pay you a salary, provide you an automobile. Tremendous package, tremendous package. He said, but I, he said the only thing is, I would want him to sign a contract for 10 years. He said, and you've been working for me for a couple months. He said, I think you're the man I'm looking for. Will you sign a contract for 10 years? And here I was, 19, 20-year-old boy, my entire life ahead of me. 10 years sounded like a 1,000 years to me. I'm like, man, I am going to lock myself down for the rest of my life. I don't even know if I like dairy farming. I don't, I, and I turned the offer down. I said, no. Reuben. And now looking back, I believe that the, that would have took my life in a different direction and I'd probably still be in Oakland, Maryland milking cows and not be here with y'all. So the Lord was guiding my life. But from a human standpoint, wow, what an idiot. <laughs> what an idiot to turn that down. I mean, I had an uh, a offer of a lifetime and I turned it down. Why? Because I didn't want to wait. That's why I turned it down. Didn't want to wait. Ten years. No, I don't know if I can do that. That's a long time to wait. Reuben and I, we stayed friends for quite a while. I, I left uh, and went back to West Virginia a couple months after that. And uh, then when I got married, of course, Reuben, he was Amish. They didn't believe in automobiles. Uh, but he uh, rented a, a van to drive him to my wedding. And he came to my wedding, him and his wife and all his kids and... Uh, Oh, I'll tell you, well, he was, a, he was a great guy, but um, I turned it down because I didn't want to wait. Didn't want to wait on it. You know, we think about uh, Andrew and Anna Smith just left for Papua New Guinea. Ten years, Andrew's been training. And whenever we talk about it, we talk about, wow, ten years he's been training to get on the field. Abraham and Sarah waited 30 years. 30 years they waited had I took Reuben's offer every year I would have known that I was getting closer to having my own farm 
Andrew and Anna, though, it took a while. Every year they knew they were getting closer to going to Papua New Guinea. Abraham and Sarah for 30 years had no idea if next year was going to be the year or if it was going to be 30 more years. There was no end in sight. 30 years waiting on God. Abraham's patience was tested. God was teaching Abraham, and through Abraham's example, he was teaching you and I that God often works on a different timetable than we do. And many times the best thing we can do is trust God, that he is going to do what he said he was going to do. Not only was his patience tested, but I see that Abraham's faith was tested. I can imagine as the days turned into weeks, weeks turned into months, months turned into years, the years turned into decades. Decade after decade after decade passed. I can imagine the devil jumped on Abraham's shoulder and said, you might as well give up on this endeavor, sir. It ain't happening. You're waiting a long time. You might as well give up on it. But we see that Abraham never gave up. Hebrews says that if he had wanted to, he might could have returned. But Abraham never looked back. He kept his eyes fixed on God for 30 years. I did some quick math, and of course the calendar in Abraham's day was a little different than our day, but about 11,000 days every day. Well, sometimes we go two days without knowing what God's doing. We start getting restless, don't we? 11,000 days, 11,000 mornings, not having any idea what God's going to do today, but just trusting him that he's going to take care of it. Abraham stayed faithful. You know what? I believe it'd save us all a lot of stress if we'd learn to simply believe that God's going to do what he said he was going to do. Just trust. He said he's going to do it and we'll depend on him. Because of Abraham's patience and faith, we see that when Isaac was born, God was glorified. Because Abram was patient, Abraham did maintain his faith in God. When Isaac was born, God was glorified. God got the glory because of the age of Abraham and Sarah, because of the miracle of Sarah's barren womb, because of all that had transpired, God got the glory. You know what? Oftentimes, we're more concerned about what we want in our own life than we are with God getting the glory. And that's why we want to rush things. But if we just wait on God, he will do it his way. And then lastly, we see in verse 6 and, verse six and 7 that there was a triumphant celebration. And Sarah said, God has made me to laugh, so that all that hear will laugh with me. And she said, who would have said unto Abraham that Sarah would have given children suck? For I have borne him a son in his old age. Here in these verses, I see in verse number 6, I see abundant laughter. And Sarah said, God hath made me to laugh. So all that here will laugh with me. We remember earlier Sarah laughed in doubt. But now she's laughing, rejoicing. God has given me a son. Not only am I going to rejoice, but everyone I encounter is going to rejoice. There is abundant laughter. And then in verse 7, I see absolute wonder. She said, who would have said unto Abraham that Sarah, should have had a child. Who would have thought? Absolute wonder. You know what? Whenever we take our hands off the situation and just allow God to work, that is where we will find ourselves. In absolute wonder at the ability and the power of God and what He is able to accomplish. There was a triumphant celebration because they 
remain faithful to God. It's been a little bit of a journey for us getting to chapter number 21. It was an even longer journey for Abraham and Sarah while they waited for this moment. Boy, I'm telling you what, verses 1 and 2 are some powerful verses. I put it at the bottom of your worksheet. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said. Knowing everything that leads up to that phrase makes that phrase one of the most powerful phrases in the Bible. He did what he said he would do. I hope that was an encouragement to you this evening.